The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church, taken from the series Ecclesiastes, Finding Meaning in Life. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Good morning. Glad you're here. How we doing? Spent the week uh, with my winter cold, and so uh, get on the mend for that. So my voice actually sounds like a man, which came in handy this morning because in the drive-through at Starbucks, I ordered the very, very hibiscus refresher. So you better sound like a man if you're going to order something like that, right? Abby wanted that. She was singing today. She did a great job. Proud of. She gets her singing voice from me. You can tell. Um, but uh, actually, she gets that from her mama. Before we get into everything, I want to just stop and, uh, and and spend just a moment in prayer because of a tragic situation yesterday. And I know we have people in this room that were affected by that. And uh, we have uh, men and women who were first responders in that situation and that tragedy. And so I just want, uh, you know, whatever we can do just to lift them up and pray. I can't give you an explanation. I wish I could. But... Uh, can't answer for God for everything he does and just say that sometimes all I can say is me too that um, I don't understand and I don't like some of the things that happen so we want to pray for a family of Savannah and uh, those first responders that were there yesterday would you pray with me <laughs> father we we just come to you broken and hurt and um, uh, just ask for your peace God, um, in this uh, time where there's answers left uh, unknown, there are uh, there's pain that has been brought to the surface. And God, we're reminded how fragile we are and how fragile life is. And God, we just ask that you give us comfort. <laughs> You tell us in your word that um, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So we ask for that. We ask for that on the Savannah's mom and dad right now. For all the friends and family that are wrestling and hurting right now, we ask for your peace to just invade their space. Let them feel your arms around them. And God, we just ask that you bless the family. We ask that you bless those first responders that yesterday and um, just protect their hearts too. Um, and so, Father, we just pray for all involved. Um, and in, in some way that only you can do, we just ask for you to be you to be made more clear through pain, uh, you to be uh, made more known through what we can't know on this side of life. Father, help us to take every moment and treasure that moment. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, and uh, uh, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes and just kind of making this journey through here, and we're on uh, week 8, and... uh, Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite Old Testament books, I think, because Solomon has the courage to go there. Um, I don't know if you have those circles of friends that when they, um, 
when they make a comment or ask a question, some people are like, I can't believe you went there. I think Solomon's that way, and I kind of admire that. Heather has a comment that she makes to me occasionally called line. She just goes line, Matt. And that means that I'm either very close in the process of or have way crossed the line, you know, that proverbial line. And so I, I like Solomon because he's, he's willing to get into the raw uh, truth of humanity and, and go there. So um, Ecclesiastes chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. Uh, if you don't own one, take that. We want you to have a Bible for yourself and to be able to access that. And chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Solomon picks up this lament of meaninglessness in life. And, um, you know, like I said, he's willing to go there. He's willing to ask the difficult questions. He basically is saying that everything we have, all your riches, all your power, all your possessions, basically, let's put it this way, all your uh, ideas of power, whatever power we feel like we have, whatever things we feel like we attain, those are all actually gifts from God. And, and what Solomon's going to go into is there's no satisfaction in it. There is no satisfaction in anything under the sun. And when Solomon writes under the sun, he's bringing in a frame of reference for life, the world. He's saying there's nothing on this earth that will satisfy. And, and the thing with Solomon is he had enough money to exhaust all of these options and all of these quests for meaning. So when Solomon decided, I want to determine if the ability to build anything that I want to build and temples and forests and gardens and terraces, I, does that bring satisfaction? You know, Solomon had the money to be able to go all the way to the end of the experiment and, and will a life of ease and a party atmosphere all the time, is that going to bring the fulfillment? You and I don't possess the amount of wisdom and money that Solomon has to exhaust all of these avenues, which puts us in this futility cycle of chasing ourselves or chasing the wind, as Solomon would say, and trying to find meaning under the sun or in this world. And so as we get into it, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is one of those chapters um, that I wish as a pastor I could dance around, that I wish I could skip and say, you know what, we'll come back to that one never. Um, because there's some, there's some hard things to deal with in this. But I made a commitment to God that when we launch the church, we'll preach through the Scripture. Parts that we don't like, the parts that we do like, the parts that make us feel good, the parts that don't. And so we're at one of those times, and, and we're going to wrestle a little bit in the first couple verses. But these 12 verses are pretty tough. And uh, so we're going to approach them together, and we'll, we'll, we'll see, what, see what God has in store for us. Verse 1 and 2, uh, Solomon talks about this evil. He says, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. And here is this evil. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. And a stranger enjoys them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. What's... Solomon is saying is God is he gives us wealth he gives us possessions he gives us honor he gives us power but then we don't have the ability 
to enjoy it. If we lack that ability to enjoy the things around us, he said it's meaningless. It's a grievous evil. And then what Solomon takes it to the next step is after we pass away, somebody else gets to play with our toys. I mean, here's the truth. And, and we we fixed this in my house. I'm worth more dead than I am alive. I mean, what's up with that? When we signed the insurance policy, Heather's like, hmm. I know, I'm on the, you know, you got, hey, you, I've said it publicly, all right? <laughs> that bothered Solomon, bothers a lot of us. He goes on in verse 3, um, a man may have a hundred children and live many years. In the Hebrew culture, living long life and having lots of children was a symbol of God's blessing. And so he's saying God, a man can have God's blessing on his life, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and he does not receive a proper burial, I still say that a stillborn child is better off than he. This is one of those times I wish I could get around Scripture. What Solomon's saying in this tragedy is those of us who are alive if we miss the ability to enjoy and to drink deeply of the things around us, it's a greater tragedy than a child who was never born. And I know that we have people in our church community that have, have been through this type of pain and hurt. Very dear friends of ours have been through this type of pain and hurt. And Solomon is saying it's a greater tragedy than to live without a sense of enjoyment and satisfaction than to have never lived at all. He says, he goes on, he said it comes without meaning and it departs in darkness and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does that man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity, do not all go to the same place. He's saying, look, forget a hundred years and a hundred kids. Let's say you live two thousand years. If you lack the ability to enjoy, then it's meaningless. It is better that you weren't even. It's a heavy reality. That's not the feel-good message of the week or the day, and I'm sorry, but it's the reality. And if we're going to face reality and face the truth, we got to be willing to deal with it. What Solomon is saying is, under the sun, there is no satisfaction. There's nothing that can sustain us in our wealth, in our honor, in our possessions, everything. Um, Ryan and I were driving down the highway last night, and um, the, the lotto billboard read $181 million. And I said to Ryan, it's like, somebody needs to win that. And he's like, yep. And I said, somebody needs to buy me a ticket. <laughs> I didn't go get a ticket. I said, I don't know if the signs change. You know, I'll watch it. It'll be like, oh, nobody won. That's my savings and retirement plan, right? <laughs> we got the lotto. 
But here's the thing. If we're dissatisfied right now, $181 million will not bring satisfaction. It doesn't exist under the sun. Think about your greatest moments and your greatest achievements. It's not enough to sustain you through life. We've been watching the Olympics. I love the Olympics. It's, it's great. I wish I had more room on my DVR. Um, and I love watching Olympics without the commercials, you know. And I don't wait for the judges. You're just like, yep, ah um, And uh, I, I love watching it because when I was younger, I had this demented thought that, like, I could probably at that point in my life do that. I could probably at this point in my life be, like, get flexible and bend like a pretzel or do all these things. Um, that delusion's gone now, by the way. <laughs> Uh, the only way I can tumble like some of those gymnasts is if this giant were to come on earth and toss me like a rag doll, okay? And then I would roll and stand up and ah. But um, I love watching the Olympics. One thing I love is the, the award ceremonies, the medal ceremonies, because it, it just seems like a culmination of effort, of talent, of hard work, of determination. And there seems to be such a sense of satisfaction on the person standing on the podium. And, and there, as they're playing the anthem, it just looks like there's a lot of reflection going on of all the people who put in a lot of hard work then all the work that went into that. And they put that gold medal around their neck and the, they sing the anthem. And, and here's the thing. That moment for an Olympic medalist, that does not have the ability to sustain them the rest of their life. Because eventually... The anthem ends, and they have to step off the podium. Eventually, they will have to come back from London to the reality of life. And that moment on the podium will never be enough to sustain them all the way. Otherwise, you're going to end up living your life like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite when he was like, back in the 80s, I could throw a football like a quarter mile. We'll spend our life looking back at remember the time because the reality of life is our greatest moment will never be enough to sustain us and to bring lasting satisfaction life has to move forward and so the bottom line is we're stuck below the sun and it takes a lot of honesty to, to encourage honestly to be like I'm stuck I'm stuck but a lot of people don't want to admit they're stuck. I mean, especially if, if you're a guy. You know, I've got a four-wheel drive, and you never admit you're stuck. You stuck? No, I got a four-wheel drive. Okay. You stuck? No, I got a tow rope. Okay. You stuck? No, I got a winch. Okay. I'm going to keep on driving. But sometimes we get, get to a point where we're like, well, uh, I think you're wrong, Matt. And I, I've been wrong. Trust me. I'm wrong a lot. But this is one of those truths that we can argue it, we can deny it, we can rail against it, whatever we want to do. It's the reality of life. I mean, in our, in our job, we think our job will sustain us. And I love my job. I know a lot of you love your job. I know a lot of you don't love your job. But here's what Solomon says in verse 7. All man's efforts are for his mouth. Yet his appetite is never satisfied. What it boils down to is, is we work for food. 
we work for food. We work to fill our stomachs, and then the satisfaction of being full goes away, and we want to eat again, so we realize that's going to require more money. And so you see how the cycle goes. Whether you own the Dallas Mavericks, though, you know, Mark Cuban, or you're the ball boy, you're working for food. You're just going to get better, better food if you're the owner, honestly. You know, I, I'd rather be the I love good food, all right? You don't get a body like this by, by eating junk, all right? It just doesn't happen. There's high-quality fuel going in this machine. Real high-quality food going in this machine. He's saying you work for food when you boil it down, and then you're going to get hungry again. And I know some people, we always look for the loophole, and there's always that, that 30-year-old kid that says, I'm going to be a stay-at-home son. You know, I figured out the loophole. I'm just not going to work. Well, here's, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be a perpetual student. So he says this, what advantage has a wise man over a fool? What does a poor man gain by knowing how to conduct himself before others? Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What he's saying is whether you got more degrees than a thermometer, you have no advantage over someone who is dumb whether you're smart or dumb it's an even level playing field he's like we're all on the same turf here (laughs) it's level ground and he says uh, it's better to enjoy what you have than to keep looking for the next best thing he says "This this is meaningless and chasing the wind if we think the answer lies in the next thing. Well, when this hits, well, if I could get this job, if I could get this fixed in my marriage, then satisfaction will happen. If my kids would start behaving this way, then satisfaction would happen. Honestly, if the world would just see everything the way I see it, then I'd be satisfied. It's not going to happen. Solomon says you're chasing the wind. It's meaningless. And then here's the sad thing, the sad reality, is God designed it this way. I told you, there's some things about God that really, you know, frustrate me. You know, the, the, why things happen the way they do, why God chooses to do things the way he does sometimes, um, it, it really doesn't fit my plan. I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, you know, I, I, I've been angry with God. That's okay to be angry with God, by the way. He's big enough. He can handle it. But let me encourage you with something. If you're angry with God, take it to him. Don't take it out on him. Because if you take it out on him, you don't give him room to work. I said give him room to work, not answer himself. God's not accountable to us to give us an answer. And the reality is in God's sovereignty... And he is in control of everything in the universe. Designed it this way. So that we wouldn't find ourselves in a failing, broken system. Continuing to try to find satisfaction. But that we would look to something greater. And the only way to do this is to stop looking underneath the sun for satisfaction. But look above the sun. Faith has to take us beyond the sun to say there's something 
bigger. The only way we're going to get above the sun is through Jesus. And I know some of you are dying to fill in one of those blanks on your sheet. I did that on purpose. I was like, how can I be as cruel as I can to everybody who's doing the fill-ins? Um, the first one, how do you get above the sun? First thing you got to do is you got to locate the sun. You've got to know, not so you know where the sun is in relation to you, but so you know where you are in relation to the sun. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not a global positioning system for where the sun is, but, but it's, it's a reflection of where you are. The, uh, the way God designed it, I, I, I just I don't understand, but I'll, I'll title this section, verse 10 through 12, It Is What It Is. That's a saying in my household. Uh, you know, the kids are like, why? Or we're just like, why? And we're like, it is what it is. Or if you speak French, it's c'est la vie, such as life. Here we go. Place pages are turning. Whatever exists has already been named, and what man is has been known. No man can contend with one who is stronger than he. The more words, the less meaning. And how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a man in life during the few meaningless days? He passes through like a shadow. Who can tell him what will happen under the sun after he is gone? And Solomon is saying, you know, this, this whole thing, it's a treadmill. It's a treadmill. <laughs> We're talking about treadmills in the coffee bar. I'm not a fan of the treadmill. I'm more of an elliptical guy myself. I'm more of a no cardio guy, honestly. Treadmills bother me because... It's a stark reminder that you're going to work hard and go nowhere. And what is amazing is when I walk into my gym, they'll have all the treadmills lined up, and then they have this wall of TVs in front of the treadmill. Or I get on it occasionally, once. I've been on it a couple times. But I put my headphones in, all in an attempt to numb myself of the reality that I'm on a treadmill, right? Because I don't know anybody crazy enough to go into a white room with a treadmill in the middle and just get on and start running. You'd go crazy. You would go crazy. There'd be this constant reminder that you are working so hard and going nowhere. And there's nothing to distract you of the reality. You're on a treadmill going nowhere. You're like a hamster in a wheel. We laugh about it, but Solomon's like, it is what it is. That's life. And we have all of these things to try to numb us. Our job, our, our families, our marriages, our friendships, our stuff, our hobbies. All of these things to try to numb us and lull us asleep into the reality that we are all on a treadmill and we're trying to find meaning for something under the sun and we can't even see the sun. And the only way to get above that is to know where the sun's at, know where the distractions are coming from. <laughs> I was in the gym one time on the treadmill and let me tell you what broke that distraction. The TV program. Okay, I don't know if you need to change the channel. 
But something needs to break the distraction that you're on the treadmill. The next thing we've got to do to get above the sun is, is learn to repent. This is a hard one for me um, because uh, it means I've got to admit that my behaviors are keeping me in an ungrateful attitude. I don't know if you've heard the stories of like, you know, hey, I was praying for for God to help take care of us, and I went out to the mailbox, and there was a check in there for this amount. I'm just going to let you into the, to my mind a little bit, and, and I'm not the only one this way, but I, that's happened to me. And I go out to the mailbox, and there's a check in there for, like, an insurance return or something like that. And I find myself going, God, I wish it would have been double that. And God just like, ouch. I mean, I just stepped all over the gift that I've been given. And we've got to learn to apologize to God for our behaviors that lead us into a dissatisfied attitude with the things that we have. When we get honest with it, we seek satisfaction in the things around us. We seek comfort. And I've been given gifts that honestly I probably just trampled into the ground because of my attitude. And I've had to learn to repent of that. And that's just saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for thinking that this would fulfill me. I'm sorry for thinking that what you have is not enough. God sometimes I think is just saying to us when when will I be enough for you and that gets us into a, a whole new way of living and living by faith and that's the ability in living by faith lets us look beyond the sun it lets us look beyond the what's just in this world and say that I, I'm, I'm living, I'm, I'm working for something much greater than myself. And God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to enjoy my stuff. I'm going to trust you with the ability for, to find satisfaction. Because here's what, here's what Solomon says in, in chapter 5, verse 19. He says, moreover, <laughs> when God gives any man wealth and possessions... And enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work. This is a gift from God. So it's not that God just designs a system to keep us beat down. He designed it so that we would reach out and accept that gift from him. That through faith we can find the ability to enjoy life. So that we can live the years we've been given and we can enjoy the blessings that God has put in our life and not take any moment for granted. He 
Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he said, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. We tend to want life to be made up of these epic moments, these mountaintop experiences, the podium experiences, right? I mean, how many of us wish that we could have every day, we could have some type of podium experience where we, that, will, that might sustain us. But here's the reality of life. My life is not much different. It's the mundane, it's the ordinary moments of life that can have the most significance. That God's saying, don't just look for the epic moments in life where you hear angels singing and you know, all, all the world's in your favor. Go for those mundane moments and say, how do I use that to glorify God? Because I'll tell you, the truth of it is this. When we think back at those that we no longer have with us, we miss the ordinary, mundane moments where life really feels like life. And it's a gift from God to be able to enjoy every moment he gives and everything that he gives. So I want to challenge you. Uh, change your glasses or what the lens of faith, whatever you need to do. Change the channel to distract you. But look through lenses of faith. to see the things that God has brought into your life and allow God to work in you with the ability to enjoy your things, enjoy your life, enjoy your work, enjoy those mundane, ordinary walking around moments so that we can live life above the sun and not find ourselves in the same lament that Solomon is in. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we, uh, we know you love us. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's challenging and frustrating to not get caught up in the fulfillment that we try to find through the things around us. Father, we ask that you take our eyes off the things around us and set our eyes on the things above us. And I just ask right now that you forgive us for those times we have been so dissatisfied with life we've tried to find our satisfaction in something else other than you. We know that you give good gifts to your kids, to us, your kids. And one of those gifts is not stuff or possessions, but one of those gifts is the ability to enjoy so Father we ask that you open our hearts and our eyes to the reality of that gift 
and help us to enjoy every moment, everything, and everyone around us. Would you help take us above the sun? So, Father, we love you and we thank you for that ability. And you know we're all at different places in this room. And, but the beauty is you know exactly where every one of us is. And so I just ask that, that you give us the courage to reflect in our lives and the courage to take an honest look at where we're at and in the depths of who we are that we cry out to you and ask you through faith to take us above the sun. Father, we love you and we ask that as we go through this week that your peace leads us. And that, Father, we move through this week drinking deeply of every blessing you give us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.